Today we heard from a former prominent broadcaster here in Winnipeg, a former instructor at RRC Polytech. He was one of my instructors at Red River in creative communications. He eventually went on to rob several banks in Alberta and Saskatchewan in 2017 and went to jail. He's been out for a couple of years, lives in BC now, and he spoke to Global's Clay Young. We're talking about Steve Vogelsang. We shared some of that audio today. The full interview will air Sunday, January 28th at 8.35 on Winnipeg Weekends. We also addressed the controversy at the Oscars over the Barbie nominations and non-nominations. And inspired by a movie I watched over the weekend that still makes me angry some almost 40 years later, who is the villain of your childhood? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling. We are Mackling and McGarry, and this is the Friday, January 26th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry on this Friday. You made it. We made it to Friday. Your normal high for this time of year is minus 12. Your normal low is minus 22. Mm-hmm. And as we're at minus 5, and the Forks announcing yesterday, the Nesta, the first leg of the Nestawaya River Trail is now open. That's the, the port rink right in front of the Forks. It's the latest it's ever opened. The previous record was January 21st back in 1990. Didn't open at all in 2020. And we had 72 days of skating last year. Yeah. The most ever. So, as we look to next week's forecast, depending where you look, it's a bit of a mixed bag. But generally speaking, it's way above normal. It's I, I, I don't remember ever having a winter like this. Environment Canada is saying, looking at Monday, two degrees on Monday, minus one on Tuesday, minus one on Wednesday, minus two on Thursday. However... And as if you're like if you're like me and Greg, you probably have six weather apps in your phone <laughs> when you're trying to just because you look you're always looking for the best forecast. That's right. right. Weather Network says Sunday zero, Monday two, Tuesday one, Wednesday four, Thursday one, Friday two, Saturday three, Sunday two, Monday February fifth zero, and then after that, that's when they're predicting it's going to go drop back down below zero. Okay, and then on a lot of us with Apple phones just use that weather app that's automatically loaded onto our phone. I don't, I don't know, provides the, the weather uh, on this. But for uh, today, it's saying one degree, tomorrow one degree, Sunday two, Monday three, Tuesday one, Wednesday three, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all two degrees. And then that wild speculatory... <laughs> High for next Sunday, eight, nine days from now, mm-hmm. six degrees. Oh, really? So once again, we know that those aberrations, those wild and kind of outside the the trend predictions typically don't come true. I think as of yesterday, Environment Canada was sort of playing the four degree uh, run for next week. And then now I guess they've got a little more data to to process and generate the forecast they have for for next week, but no matter how you slice it, Brett, you put it perfectly. I don't ever remember a winter like this. We may have had one. I just don't remember one. Same. And uh, the idea that we're going to be so far above average over the next week or so is uh, pretty good news because let's face it, 
I'm talking about our mental health here. January's a tough slog mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And getting through January, first day of, of uh, February is coming up on Thursday. And that's a big benchmark for a lot of folks that have seasonal affective disorder, people who really feel the post-holiday blues. There's lots of things we could talk about in terms of why January is a tough month, mm-hmm. getting those financial statements, etc. your credit card bills from holidays. February feels like, even though it's not, but it does sometimes feel like you're sort of in the home stretch and you can even start thinking about, dare I suggest you can start thinking about spring. <laughs> yeah, February and February can be... a. a I always found February the, the the tricky month because you know you're you're not even close to being out of the woods yet, but it starts to feel like it because we often get the like a February thaw, and then and then the temperature can drop back, seems to plunge. Sure, and that that when it, when that happens, that I think is the for me that's the toughest part of winter because you're like. You're, if you've got cabin fever and you're desperate for things to warm up and you think maybe, just maybe, it's going to stay this way, and then it doesn't. It's like, oh, hold on. Get back in the ring. We got another four rounds to go here, and that's tough. But January, yeah, the, that's why, the <clears throat> um, whether it's the river trail or not, I try to force myself. Typically in, in January, we it, it's cold and sunny. So even if it's minus 30, I'll get out and go get for a walk and try to absorb as much of that sun that I can so that I don't feel like mentally unwell. Sure. Do you think, do you think that how long have we had Louis Riel day, that holiday in February? It's been, has it been a decade? I think so. Yeah. Right because- around 10 years. Do you th- I think that makes a huge difference. I don't know why, but just having that one prescribed day off, and I know not everybody gets it, so bless you if you have to work on that day. I think we've had to work it in the past. I don't think we have to work it this year. No. But having that stat holiday right in the middle of February, I think uh, goes a long way in, in breaking up what's already the shortest month. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit uh, too high on February. <laughs> Maybe February's too big of a deal for me, but I, I just can't wait to get out of January. And uh, we're going to definitely do that in style, at least on the weather front. 2008 was the first one. Can you believe that? No, I can't. 2008 well, already? Okay. Well, that's great. I, 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 didn't, I was thinking, yeah, decade, decade sounds about right. But I agree. Yeah, having that, when they, when they introduced that day, because other provinces, I think, had a similar Alberta holiday. and BC, we had a family day for quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Way back when I lived in BC in the mid-90s, we, I think we had family day. Okay. Yeah. So what was it like coming back to Manitoba and not having that date? Oh, I want to boycott Manitoba based on that. <laughs> what? What? I'm going, I'm going right back. <laughs> I know lots of you wish I would have just gone right back, but you're stuck with me now. It is Mackling and McGarry. We want to know who is the villain of your childhood. Now, this is inspired by a movie that I watched over the weekend. It's one of my favorite movies, and I admit it is not the best movie in this series of films, but it's my favorite. And I think it's part of the reason why it's my favorite 
is because it contains the villain of my childhood. So here's the setup clip. All right, it's time to go to school, son. Come on, get your hands up, man. You need an interpreter? It's time to go to school. You will lose. The movie is Rocky IV. That was, of course, Carl Weathers as Apollo Creed versus Ivan Drago, the Siberian Express, played by Dolph Lundgren, also known as the Swede who will make you bleed. And boy, did he make Apollo Creed bleed in that movie. Apollo Creed, of course, was the antagonist in the first two Rocky films, but then he became Rocky's friend. And he's just... Apollo Creed is a great character, but with Carl Weathers performing that role, he's one of my favorite characters of all time. And when Ivan Drago not just beat him in their exhibition match, but killed him in the ring. Um, if he dies, he dies. Ah! Rocky had to, oh man, he had to go, he had to come back out of retirement and fight, and fight the Soviet machine. And so I'm almost a decade older than you. Yeah. And so I remember when Apollo Creed was the villain. Like rated one of the top villains of the 1970s. Yeah. Based on a Rockies 1 and 2, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So for you to feel so passionately about the death of Apollo Creed is the antithesis of what I would have felt in the 70s. If Rocky would have put him out, I'd have been, yeah, Rocco! <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what's, what makes these characters so great is the, it's such a tremendous arc that you start off right. not liking him, exactly. and, then, and then he becomes uh, a good guy. And conversely, by the way, Creed II, mm. they revisit the Drago story. So that, I, that was great to see it come full circle and to see how they were able to evolve him and make him a sympathetic character. But... Anyway, we want to know who is the villain of your childhood, whether it's fiction or not. Like, it could be a sports thing at 204-780-6868. Tell us who it is and tell us why. And uh, I would, well, hold, you know what? I had a caveat here, but I think I'm going to hold off on that based on what Greg is doing. So, Greg, why don't you start us off? Okay, so when you brought this up the other day, I jokingly said to the to the youngsters in the newsroom, uh, one of them sitting to the right of me right now, Tyson Rewicki, I said, the villain of my youth is... Now, Pristich knocked down at center ice, but back in the Kings zone is Yachmanev. The last time I looked at the shot clock, the Kings had 11 shots. They've now got 17. Here's Gretzky. Shoots, he scores! It's his oh, birthday today! <laughs> Wayne Gretzky scored his first goal as an oiler. In the World Hockey Association against the Jets, scored more goals against the Jets slash Coyotes, and I was just for a couple of years, than any other team in the NHL. 79 of his 894 goals are against the original Winnipeg Jets franchise. <laughs> Should have been a Jet. Lots of people know that story. And I just, yeah. So it was Wayne Gretzky, whose Oilers made my childhood, my youth, my early 20s an absolute bowl of tears you ever have his whiskey now though and think yeah, man it's it's, it's, it's really we can good. make amends yeah. it is actually really good and yes i do have some <laughs> i'll pour one out for him today but uh, like every great superhero deserves a theme song so does every great villain so yeah my original villain in my life was of course darth vader 1977 
episode four, Grant Park Theater. I almost remember the first time I heard this song, the first time I saw Darth Vader. So Darth Vader, he was really the villain of my youth. All right, Darth Vader, classic. So Tyson Rewicki, what about you? Well, Patrick Kane broke my heart in 2010, but I got a rivalry that Sorry. goes. Yeah, that one was tough, but I got a I got a rivalry that goes way back. And this guy, this thing has been a thorn in my side for too long, and it's ET. E- <laughs> what? what? ET was. I did not like ET growing up, and I was really young, and I was scared of him. Well, and that's then my, your problem. And then my brothers kind of used that, and they were they, my brothers shared a room when we were younger, and they would always say like, "Oh, you don't go in our closet. That ET lives in there." ET lives in there, and then so eventually I got I got up the courage to be like I I need to get something from there. I'm going standing in standing up to this exactly, and I was just praying. I was like ET better not be in there. We're about to th- we're gonna throw down this closet, and, <laughs> and since then I just don't like the I just don't like him. ET, <laughs> that's that's crazy. You he told me in the newsroom. He's like, oh yeah, I thought about this right away. I, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was definitely some sports figure, not freaking ET, but. <laughs> Each their own, I guess. <laughs> All uh, right, Tyson. He is weird. I mean, he's scary looking. Um, Looks like a raisin. He's <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> what about you, Skyler? Uh, mine is sports related, and uh, like Tyson, it took me about six tenths of a second to uh, think of this one, unfortunately. Ryan Johnson just gets it out. And he's dumped the puck back in. Campoli trying to clear it. Burrow shoots. Alex freaking Burrows, man. Of all people that could have ended the Blackhawks' uh, almost comeback from a 3-0 deficit in the first round 2011, the defending cup champs, they got their roster gutted. Everyone uh, knew what the Vancouver Canucks were all about that year. They won the President's Trophy, got up 3-0 in forced Game 7 in Vancouver, all for Chris Campoli. Maybe Chris Campoli should be my villain because he put the gl- uh, puck right into Alex Burroughs' <laughs> glove. Um, but Burroughs just uh, hit a knuckle puck that literally could have gone anywhere in Rogers Arena, but it had to go top glove over Corey Crawford. And uh, my first real sports heartbreak, which was followed up two years later by the interception at the goal line in the Super Bowl by Russell Wilson. But Ooh. this one still stung more, I think. Wow. Okay. And Burroughs, I mean, we all know how he played hockey. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, he's kind he was of on a, the line. He's a, he was a villain regardless of that goal. And he was, you know, former Manitoba Moose. Maybe some people in this town have a soft spot for him. Not this guy. <laughs> Not this guy. Uh, and Forte, what about you? My grade five teacher. <laughs> he, I'm telling you, man, I want him so badly. When I was in grade four, I was like, I got to have this guy. I'm not going to say his name because I don't think he's with us anymore. But uh really wanted to have him as a teacher. And I got into his class and he was giant. He was like, you know, he freaked me out a bit. And then, like, he would use me as an example of I, I kept my desk dirty one day. Or uh, I guess it was more than one day. It was like a couple of weeks. <laughs> And I ended up pouring it out in front of the class. I was humiliated. I was scared. So, like, every time I saw him, I'd try to hide. I would try to hide. So maybe that's why you're so particular and tidy now. Well, I... You would think so, but that happened throughout my teenage years, so it, I, don't, right. I don't think that was... It. Maybe it's a bit Some of it. Some deep-rooted trauma. Yeah. Is <laughs> that the table, maybe? <laughs> so at 204-780-6868, we want to know who is the villain of your childhood, whether it's a fictitious character. For A runner-up for me would be Johnny Lawrence from The Karate Kid, who has since come full circle in There's Cobra an, Kai. Absolutely. He'd be one of my favorites now. And there, there is a new a final season coming soon on Netflix. Uh, or it could be a, a sports character, or if you even want to go down the road that Jeff did, you may be a teacher. I don't know. The villain of your childhood.
It is Mackling and McGarry. We are asking you this morning, who is the villain of your childhood? Whether it's a fictitious character or perhaps it's an athlete, somebody that beat your team. What does Len have to say, Greg? I opened up a can of worms here, Brett. Morning crew, and I heard that clip earlier on hockey, the Gretzky goal. I thought it was going to be Jamie McCowan breaking Dale Howarchuk. Ducky's ribs back in 1985. That would be my pick. Bob Clark adds to that sentiment unknowingly. Jamie McCowan of the Calgary Flames was my number one sports villain who took Dale Howardchuck out of the 1985 playoffs. They managed to take out Calgary without him, but no way could they get past Edmonton without him in the next round. The cross check heard around the province and Chesney goes one step further. For me, it's the Edmonton Oilers of the 80s, led by 99. We had a fantastic team, but couldn't get past the Oilers. We had a Stanley Cup team, but they stopped us from getting to the Cup to this day. I do not like the Oilers. The Oilers got to the Cup and were playing... Uh, if the Oilers get to the Cup and we're playing Toronto, then begrudgingly, I would hope for the Oilers. Oh, really? Yeah, so there you go. <clears throat> Only the Maple Leafs could cause Chesney to cheer for Edmonton. And Liz says, growing up, I watched Young and the Restless every day. Yeah. The villain of my youth had to be the mighty Victor Newman. His epic battle between the Newmans and the Abbots runs deep. Many decades later, he is still the main villain on the show. And still watching, says Liz. And you can watch The Young and the Restless, by the by the way, at 4.30, weekdays on Global. But yeah, Victor Newman, man. You devious man. I want you to pack your things, and I want you to get out. So good. Him and Jack really should get into the boxing ring. Well, and, uh, Eric Braden is a boxer, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's a... Wasn't that, wasn't, wasn't that a storyline where he taught Nick to defend himself? Oh, boy. I think you're teaching? right. Yes. In the, uh, out in the uh, barn. Yeah. He had, a, he had a gym set up there. I, yeah. yeah good cause, call. Because he, he had an arch nemesis. Was a, I can't remember if the guy's name was Matt or what, but uh, he had the two of them ended up being in the Yeah, that group. was Sharon's, Sharon's uh, love interest <laughs> was Matt. And I think that's uh, their daughter's dad is Matt. <laughs> Uh, wow, we just we just tumbled down a soap opera rabbit hole. Thank you for that, Liz. Keep those coming for a chance to win tickets for the Fab Four. We'll pick a winner at nine fifteen. Could be completely wrong on all that stuff. After seven thirty-five on Fridays, what do we do, Jeff Forte? To celebrate the villain of Greg yes. Mackling's childhood, yes. Darth Vader, the Imperial March, not quite as good of a rendition as John Williams would do. It's close. Not bad. It's, it's, it's close. It's recognizable, at least, which is sometimes unusual for, for Forche's performances. Jeff, well done. Before we jump into this, do you mind if I ask you a question? Sure. Barbie movie. Uh-huh. Back in theaters this weekend. Yes. Lots of people talking about Barbie because of the Oscar nominations. The movie itself received eight nominations, but the conversation has been all week about those who did not receive nominations. Correct. That's right. Barbie's back in theaters this weekend. It's time for Barbie. Me? So it's back in theaters for one week, not playing everywhere. 
So check your listings. It's not playing in every single theater in the city. But in terms of this Oscar situation, the <laughs> the optics could not possibly be worse for a situation like this. Like every year at the Oscars, at any awards, Emmys, Grammys, whatever, there's always the, if you're on, say you're going to a website like EW, Entertainment Weekly, EW.com. Be, the first thing that'll go up is the list of nominees. The snubs. And the second thing that goes up is the list of snubs. There's always a discussion of snubs, and sometimes they're controversial. Sometimes people are just sad. They're like, oh, I was really hoping this person would, would, would get nominated. And the situation with this, the movie Barbie, a feminist movie about patriarchy. I haven't seen, to be fair, I haven't seen the movie yet. Jeff Braun has seen seven of ten of the Best Picture nominees. I haven't seen any of them. Uh, he, the Oscars is always his thing. Uh, so I can't comment on whether or not who is deserving or not. Ryan Gosling gets nominated for playing Ken for Best Actor. Margot Robbie does not get nominated for Best Actress as Barbie. And Greta Gerwig, the director, did not get nominated for Best Director. So the, the optics are, here's this feminist movie, and the man gets nominated and not the women. Okay, so I'm not a movie historian. I casually watch movies i love movies certainly not into it the way you and certainly the way jeff is when it comes to the academy awards but tie this together for me because as a layman or a luddite on this front it doesn't how on earth does barbie get nominated for best picture but greta gerwig does not get nominated for best director that doesn't wash for me, but is it unprecedented? Not at all. It's quite common for a movie to be not, for one, like to get a, a nomination in one category and, and the other, like often there'll be a, someone will be nominated for best director, but the movie won't get nominated for best picture or vice versa. Plus best picture is the only category that has up to, and this year it does have 10 nominees. Okay. Whereas the other categories are all five. So there are, that means there are, there are five movies in that category where the directors were not nominated. And I totally understand the outrage here. Like from the, just when I saw the nominees, I thought, Oh my gosh, what have they done to themselves? What have they done? And uh, because the Oscars there, there, there's controversy every year. There was a remember Oscars. So white was no, a, was a yes. trend a few years ago. I do, yeah. So there, there's always something with the Oscars, but this year they really have egg on their face. And Ryan Gosling has spoken out and saying, like, there's no there's no Ken without Barbie. So he's 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 grateful to be nominated. He's honored to be nominated, but he feels like the Oscars blew this one. Also worth pointing out that America Ferreira, who co-stars in that film, was nominated for Best Supporting actor actress but um she's terrific. Yeah, so th th this one's tough. The, so the problem is like I can't comment on the the merit who deserved what cuz I like I said I I didn't see the movie but the people who pick the nominees are the actors. The actors pick the nominees for the acting categories. The directors pick the nominees for the directing categories. Okay, that's interesting. I so didn't realize that. And then the whole academy votes on the winners. So they were nominated so once the experts, you could argue, right, those within that specific aspect of the industry get together and go, yeah, this is who I think, mm -hmm. then the overall academy looks at the different 
categories and say, yeah, this is this is who we think. Yeah. Okay. All right. So hmm. so it's it's a this is a really <laughs> huh. it's it, like it, Jeff and Jeff and I get more into it as well during the in the couch potatoes, which is the podcast is available now, or you can listen to the show Saturdays and Sundays at noon on six eighty CJOB. I will say, and he goes into great detail on why he believes Greta Gerwig did deserve to be nominated. And Margot Robbie, he said, yeah, that could go either way. And to be fair, I've heard a lot of people say Ryan Gosling is the best part of that movie and that his nomination is deserved. Because I, I think he was a surprise. I don't think people quite un, quite knew that he had that in him, the comedic talent that he put on display in that film. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, though, this news from a box office perspective could be helpful for the next week because they've already made $1.44 What's another couple hundred million? Yeah. <laughs> Just throw it on the pile. Yeah, so that's one movie that's out this weekend. Well, what could they do this weekend? I know 100 million might be out of the realm, but could they do 60, 70 million in a weekend? Yeah, or, I don't know. Over the course of a week? It could be. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because there are people who have not seen it. There are people who will probably want to go back and see it. And now because of this controversy, yeah. it's way it people it's it's at it's top of mind. So again. it's a marketing ploy is really what it comes down to. The economy <laughs> was setting up the producers. This is a, a thank you more than anything. This is a, here you go. <laughs> Could be. Uh, I, I, and honestly, I wonder, like, I wonder if the people at the Oscars, if they, what they were thinking, like when they realized what was happening before they released the nominees, if they sat down and talked about it and thought, we have a problem here. What are you going to do about it? They almost should have vetoed Gosling's nomination. Like, really, if they're not going to include a Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig, they almost should have just ixnayed Gosling's nomination. So should Gosling uh, just not attend? No, I think he should. Because they still, they're still up for, like you said, eight Oscars, including just a Best question. Picture. Just a question. No, he, he should be there. Because okay. he, 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 he won't earned, win. He, so he's earned this. Oh, yeah. This isn't an anti-Ryan Gosling thing. No. Like most people, yeah, he, he earned this, right? But it's, it's the question about why not the, okay, I get this. Thanks for the uh, explanation. We haven't spoken about this off the air at all. So I appreciate you doing this kind of cold. That was <laughs> Quite impressive. <laughs> mm. uh, although maybe people will start seeing him as the villain. Who knows how this Oscar <laughs> campaign will go for the next few weeks. Also just wanted to point out, yeah, there's another new-ish movie in theaters, and it's another Best Picture nominee. It's called The Zone of Interest. Im Osten steht unser Morgen. Dank für eure nationalsozialistische Gastfreundschaft. If you can't understand what they're saying, it's not your hearing. It's a movie that is spoken in German. It's a UK-US co-production. It debuted in December in like limited, limited capacity, probably like a New York, LA thing, just so they could get Oscar eligibility. But it's expanding its release this week, fresh off of garnering five Oscar nominations. It's loosely based on a book of the same name. And um, it's it does not look like a pleasant film. It's the story of the commandant of Auschwitz, and his wife, who are striving to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp. Oh, my. The trailer, is it looks chilling. It looks intense, mesmerizing. And I hear it's got a, like, as a radio person, mm -hmm. I hear this. So I heard someone say the sound in this movie is incredible. And that's actually one of the movie's nods. It got nominated for Best Sound, Best International Feature, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Director, and the aforementioned Best Picture.
So a couple of options at the, at the theaters this week. And I should add Apple TV Plus. It, I think it starts today. Starts, I can't remember the dates off the top of my head. It's either today or Monday. Uh, Masters of the Air, another World War II series from the people who brought you Band of Brothers and the Pacific. Okay, I'll want to see that 100%. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm next Sunday, I yeah, think. Yeah, the 4th. Fe- the 4th of February. And to wrap up the Jen, or the Jen, the Barbie conversation, a text from Jen, if I may. Yeah. I've been listening to you uh, talking about the Barbie movie. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a woman, but I really believe that Ken deserves that nomination. Gosling was amazing, and Barbie's performance was great too, but I would admit that the supporting uh, actress nomination, uh, America Ferraro, right? Uh, totally agree with that. Okay. So there you go. One person's perspective and reaction to uh, your summation, McGarry. It is Mackling and McGarry. We got a question for you about risky play in a moment. Oh. We got to actually tell you it's about something cool that's happening today with the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. But reminder that we are asking you about the villain of your childhood. Who was it? Whether it's a fictitious character, perhaps an athlete. And we had back-to-back texts come in at 7:59 and 8 a.m. Sean says Gargamel from the Smurfs and his cat Azriel, and then Tanya. Weighing in saying Gargamel from the Smurfs. He wanted to eat them. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. What was it, part of a recipe or something? That's sort of outside of my sort of cartoon watching days. Yeah. But I have younger brothers, including, you know, one that's nine years younger and one that's 15 years younger than me. So I've got those different eras covered, just not as intensely. Mm, I can't remember. I don't remember a whole, like, I, I remember enjoying the Smurfs or Les Strumpfs, as they're called in French. Did uh, you watch them? En Francais? I think I may have. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the fact that I remember that they were called Les Strumpfs. <laughs> <laughs> and then we knew this text message would come uh-huh. when Skeletor was mentioned the first time. Yeah. Our good friend Kristen says, reason Skeletor is great, sense of humor, one, cool ride, two, three. Let's, can we leave three? Can we put that at the end? Sure. Uh, four, uh, four on this list appreciates diversity in his workplace. <laughs> Five, he's a wizard. And then three, which is actually six, sort of. Swole. What the heck is swole? S-W-O-L. This means big, muscular. Like swole, like swollen, but in a good way. Yeah. Gotta, All right. Got to get swole. Got to go to the gym and get swole. I'm writing that one down. I'm going to have to check that out with the with the kids. Yeah. They can, put that yeah, in my vernacular. The boy, and yeah, they put it through the teenage filter and make sure they can conf- corroborate whether or not I am correct in my assessment. I suspect that you are. What I want to know is if it's still apropos and if you're still allowed to use it. Oh, or am I going to date myself <laughs> by using it if one of the boy's friends gets into the car looking, you know, good from a workout and just, you're looking swole, bro. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dad, we don't say that anymore. We've yeah. moved on. <laughs> I'm, I'm always prepared for that. <laughs> All right. So our question of the day at CJOB.com. Do you think children have enough opportunity to experience free play? 12% say yes. 
53% say no, and 35% say they are bubble-wrapped. Now, this comes from some a story that we were sharing throughout the day yesterday on 680 CJOB having to do with the Canadian Pediatric Society saying that free play is essential for children's mental, social, and physical development, and that risky play can be good. Here's more from Don Kelly. The Pediatric Society's recommendations encourage kids to get away from their screens and get outside and play to help prevent and manage common health problems like obesity, anxiety, and behavioral issues. It defines risky play as thrilling and exciting free play that involves uncertain outcomes and the possibility of physical injury. Examples include riding a bike at high speed, climbing, sledding, play fighting, sliding, and running. Don Kelly, the Canadian press. Stuff we all did when I was a kid. Yep. You know, and I think parents sometimes are guilty of protecting their kids from doing the stupid things that we knew we did. Mm -hmm. And yes, kids need to learn from their mistakes. I've said to my boys, I said, boys, you're going to learn from your mistakes. You have to go out and do stupid stuff. You have to learn from them. My buddy Jeff at his dad's funeral yesterday, his dad's celebration of life, that was the theme of his tribute to his dad, was opening the possibility of doing stupid stuff and learning from those stupid things. And I think uh, there's some merit here, the idea of learning from doing stupid things. But I do say to my kids, boys, there are some things you don't have to learn a lesson from by going through them yourselves. And that list is pretty short. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the much longer list is go out, do it, figure it out. And then you realize, oh, that's why dad said X, Y, Z. Yeah. yeah like she, Don Kelly mentioned in there riding a bike at, at high speed. And I remember when I was, I don't know, five or six, I was just zipping down our front sidewalk. And I don't know exactly how it happened or what I hit. But I went flying off of my bike and face planted and somehow managed to like scrape up both sides of my face, but didn't break my nose or I don't even think I had a bloody nose. So I don't, (laughs) I I still don't quite figure, like didn't quite figure out how that happened. You remain handsome. But I, uh, (laughs) thank you. But I didn't stop riding a bike after that. And my parents didn't take my bike away from me. Uh, They just said like, Get back on the bike is probably what they said. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and as you pointed out, I learned from that. You you can still play, have fun, but you learn to be maybe just a touch more careful or a bit more observant or observant, careful, resilient. I can remember teaching the boys to ride bikes. One of them really took to it quickly. The other didn't. And he sort of flopped off his bike. And I said, I don't even think you're trying. Do you really want to do this or not? Yes, dad. I want to learn how to ride. Then get on the bike and let's go. Yeah. Now nah, he didn't take it instantly after that, but his perspective sort of changed, right? You, you try and encourage them in a positive fashion, but let's face it, they gotta go out and they gotta go out and get in a couple fist fights. Plain and simple. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's how you learn not to be a jerk. And, and not to lip off to people is when you get plowed right in the nose for being a jerk. And sometimes the fun things, you know, you can get hurt. And I would imagine people learning how to do stuff like ballet. You might get hurt, but you get up and you keep going. And today we tie into the ballet because we just wanted to mention this here for our friends at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. Because today 
Uh, Winnipeg-born company artists Emily Lewis and Michelle Lavoie are going to host in-person auditions for the Royal Winnipeg Ballet School's esteemed professional division programs where aspiring ballet dancers from grades 6 to 12 and post-secondary students are invited to showcase their talents at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet Studios today at 380 Graham Avenue. So registration is from noon until 1 and then from 1 until 2 students currently in academic grades 5 to 7, there will be auditions and then more auditions uh, at 3 uh, o'clock. So that's, again, at 380 Graham Royal Winnipeg Ballet. If, you're an aspir- if, your, ki- if your kid is an aspiring ballet dancer, it might be a good time to head down there today. No better place to do it. Right now, we have a story about a man who is actually somewhat of a hero to me once upon a time, who took a bit of a villainous turn. His name is Steve Vogelsang. Do you remember that name? You may remember it for various reasons. Clay Young recently had a chance to interview him, and Clay will run that entire interview on Sunday morning at 8.35 as he fills in for Kevin Bergen on Winnipeg Weekends. Now, if you don't remember that name, Steve Vogelsang was a prominent television television, broadcaster in Winnipeg for years. He went on to become an instructor at what was then Red River College, now Brett RRC Polytech. He started that in 2002, and he was one of my instructors. I was in his first class in creative communications. In my first year, he was one of my journalism instructors. And in my second year, he was one of the instructors for my broadcast news class. And I want to tell you about how our relationship grew in just a few moments. But fast forward to 2017, we were sitting in a news meeting that day, Greg. It was in October of 2017. We were sitting in our news meeting and I got a text on my phone. Hey, did you hear Vogelsang got arrested? And that was the end of my paying attention to that news meeting. And, and I remember even texting him saying, Steve, this can't, is this true? I can't, and I don't know what I was thinking. Like, of course, he didn't respond to that text or even see it because he was in police custody. Anyway, he was arrested for bank robbery. He'd fallen on hard times and robbed several banks in Alberta and Saskatchewan. He was sentenced to six and a half years in jail. But he's been out on parole for a couple of years. He now lives in Penticton. Documentaries being made about him. So we want to share some of Clay's interview just as a preview for the full thing on Sunday. And Clay just started off by asking him, what happened? All right, well, isn't that ironic that I tried to avoid bankruptcy because I thought it would be embarrassing? <laughs> and then, of course, the alternative was far more humiliating. Um, but one of the problems... Clay, is people, when they ask that question, what happened, is they want an answer that will make it make sense to them, where they'll go, oh, okay, well, sure, in the same situation, I'd have done the same thing. But the reality is most people wouldn't let it get so kooky that they're on a bank robbery spree. So my answer is never completely satisfying to people. The other codicil here that I must stress before I answer this question, is I don't blame anything. Failed mental health, financial troubles, whatever. I knew what I was doing. I thought I could get away with it. Um, I'm no victim. However, I'm not going to lie and tell people, oh, no, I was at my best, because, of course, 
people would know, well, no, he wasn't at his best. Why would he do that? So, yes, there were a number of factors that wore me down to the point where I just quit on life. And those included my my marriage had ended and I was recklessly generous in the settlement. um, And that sent me into insolvency. Um, I, in the divorce, I kept the one house with the big mortgage. I ended up losing the house. I was on a contract at Red River College. Uh, The contract instructors were not renewed, so I lost my job. Uh, I was in debt and, uh, and ended up my insolvency was now going to affect someone who had helped me financially. So anyway, it got to an urgent point that I needed money. And my wacky solution was bank robbery. Um, So I'm being honest about those factors that wore me down, but I'm being honest about the fact that uh, I still did what I did and knew what I was doing. Um, So I don't want anybody to listen to this and say, oh, the guy blames depression. No, I have a very serious depression problem, uh, a chronic depression problem. um, And that did uh, affect my decision making. Um, But anyway, that's the that's the short answer to why what happened. So you'll be able to hear the full interview Sunday morning at 835 with Clay Young and Steve Vogelsang, because Clay is filling in just on Sunday for Kevin Bergen on Winnipeg Weekends. Steve Vogelsang, former TV broadcaster turned college instructor turned bank robber. And as mentioned, he was one of my instructors. He, I was in his first class, which was journalism. And we, he eventually became a mentor and a, a friend, a, a person I considered a good friend. And I remember where I think it began, and Greg, I think you'd get a kick out of this because sports, um, we were writing our, we had a journalism exam in our first trimester. We were the last year where they had a trimester system. They eventually switched to semester system, but we had exams in that first trimester. So I'm writing my journalism exam and he left the room for a minute and uh, he said, you know, don't try anything. You, you heathens, or I don't know what he said, made some joke like, don't you dare try to cheat, I'll catch you. And then when he came back in, I had flipped my ball cap inside out, like a rally cap. You know, like, when, why, do, why do ball players do that? It's a superstition thing, right? Yeah, yeah, when they're behind in the ninth inning and they're looking to, to rally mm-hmm. and win the game, yeah, they'll turn their caps inside down and put them on backwards. So I flipped it, I, I partially did it hoping he might get a kick out of it. And he did, clearly, because he said to me, McGarry, you weasel, not even a rally cap can save you from your failure. Or <laughs> something like that. But essentially, that, that henceforth, it was always McGarry, you weasel, whenever he would address me. He would send me texts saying weasel. Like, that was just what he called me, McGarry, you weasel. And uh, makes me smile to think about that. And over the course of the two years at the college... Like, really, I, I, I owe my career to two people, specifically at the college. All of my instructors were great. Like, they were all awesome. They were so good at what they did, and I learned so much from them, and they, they really pushed us all. But 
There were two people who were super important to me. One of them is Rick Baverstock. Uh, may he rest in peace. He's gone now, but he was the station manager at what was then 92.9 Kick FM. As you you, see, you might remember that station on the dial. It was an instructional radio station for a, a few years at the college before its license got pulled. And the other person was Steve Vogelsang. He really, really pushed me to believe in myself, and I learned so much from him uh, about broadcasting. And eventually, like, there was a uh, mutual respect, and like I said, a friendship. And I remember he asked me to house sit for him once to take care of his dog, Norman, and his cat, Gordon. And I said, I, I can't. I'm allergic to cats. And he said, all right. And then a few months later, he texted me and said, Weasel, our cat Gordon has died. So but we're going away. Can you house sit for us now that our cat is out of the house? I'm like, well, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I, I became a house sitter for him. When, they, when he and his wife would go away for a few days, he'd call on me to come take care of Norman or Storma Norman, as I like to call him, because he was this big, grouchy German shepherd who would bark at anything that happened to walk, walk by, like a leaf is blowing or whatever. Uh, so we were friends and this news was so difficult for me to process. And he goes on to say, there are two types of people. There's a person who will judge you for the best thing you've ever done. And people who will judge you for the worst thing you've ever done. And I'm not, I'm trying not to judge him. I just, I sort of find myself in between. So you took some time to edit that audio from, uh, Clay's pre-recorded interview that'll play in its entirety 8:35 on Sunday morning. How did you feel listen to, listening to it? Uh, it? it was good because I, I have spoken to him since he's been out. Uh, he he's contacted me a few times and we've talked and uh, so I've it's a lot of it I've already heard, but it, he, he's gained even more perspective on it and it was difficult as well because he goes on to talk about like it's hard to make plans. When you're a convicted bank robber, it's hard. it took him a long time to find a job. He ended up working as a waiter in a Mexican cantina. And now it's, it's, uh, he's actually going to, he says he's, he has, his origins were in hospitality and he's going to continue to work in hospitality. But, you know, it, it was also encouraging, I think, because knowing that he understands what he did, he, that he's not looking for sympathy uh, and that he apologized to the tellers involved who were one of them. He said that he saw genuine terror in their eyes and that's going to stick with him forever. Um, I think it's encouraging because he went to jail. He served his time, got out early and now it's his chance for like, he's done his time. So this is his second chance. It's, it's his redemption story. Uh, so I, I hope he finds it and I hope he finds peace in BC. I spoke to Clay after he conducted the interview and I know he pushes back a little bit in the interview, right? Yep. In terms of how, how could you do this? Mm -hmm. And that's part of the discussion is how do you hand a, somebody, a, a young, a young woman working in a bank, hang, hand them a note and say, hand over the money. I am armed. And he answers that question. Yeah, and he answers it very candidly. So we 8.35 Sunday morning, make sure you listen. 
If you miss it on Sunday, you will be able to find it in the audio vault at cjob.com because he he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't he's not hiding behind anything. So I'm also curious to see this documentary whenever it gets finished because I was contacted a few months ago by the producers of this documentary and and they say it's in sort of in the later stages of production and they were trying to get their whole their hands on some pictures but they were like from they were asking for pictures from like 2010 and I don't even think I had a smartphone yet in 2010 so if I and if I had any per- pictures they would have been taken on like a one of those flip phones and they're gone this is sort of a big time production too is it not this documentary? It sounds like it. Yeah, I think it might. I, I like don't it's have not the full just details. a couple of high school kids putting together a documentary on a Winnipeg crime story. No, this is a it's a genuine production company. So hopefully that'll be done. That'll be out soon. And uh, I'm curious to see what it is. In the meantime, we have our final winner for Ramuary Ram Motorsports Spectacular. At Canada Life Centre on February 3rd. They've got two shows that weekend, but our tickets are for the 3rd. For the whole month of January, every Friday, we've been giving away tickets because you've we had a contest at cjob.com. Ramuary, our final winner, Kathy Pearson. Kathy's probably never had her name pronounced quite that way. Kathy Pearson. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Although February 3rd is... Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. We'll sell you the entire seat, but you'll only need the edge. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb, by the way, is filling in for Jim Toth today. That is correct. Loren McNabb filling in for Jim Toth on the Jim Toth show would be would be even more fun if she was filling in for Jim Toth on Jets at noon as well. Her keys to the game are succinct, to the point, poignant. Uh, maybe not what you're used to, but uh, we will not be uh, gifted uh, keys to the game segment with Loren McNabb on Jets at noon today. KK in for Hal from 10 till 12. Jets at noon. Tyson Rewicki and... Skylar Peters, maybe? I have no idea, quite okay. frankly. <laughs> and then Loren is in for Jim this afternoon. In the meantime, we have another M in studio. Greg, who is with us? Oh, she is a delight. She is the ice cream of your week. She is the cherry on top yeah. of oh. your oh. butterscotch sundae. Should you choose <laughs> to partake in such things? She is uh, Global News Morning anchor on Channel 9, Cable 12, CKND, Winnipeg, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. Gabrielle Marchand. Good morning. I'm going to hijack this segment only because you played one of my favorite group bands. Obviously, they're always in a group. It's a band, duh. But anyway, Spice Girls, one of our very own. I mean, you know Clay Young, anyone who listens to see Joby, he's beloved. He's like Miley Cyrus. He can't be tamed. He really can't. And this morning. He's, he's a wrecking ball. He, There's no <laughs> doubt about that. <laughs> he brings the delight to our morning show now as our morning show reporter. And this morning, you guys, he was interviewing a group of kids about those warming huts opening, which I'm sure, Brett, you're a frequenter of the River Trail, are you not? Yeah, but, but I, I, I would 
like walk down the trail from the Assiniboine. So, oh. but but I have uh, in, in recent weeks just walked the the, the trail that you know, is beside the river down to the forks to have a peek at what was going on. Now you'll be able to dip into these bougie little warming huts, and one was created by a group of students in Winnipeg, well, in Manitoba, and Clay interviewed them this morning. These kids are like, I'm guessing, 8 to 12, max 13, and he got them to sing a song, and I think we have some audio from it. Okay. Fire, the one <laughs> desire, believe when I say I want it that way. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why. I never want to hear you say, I want it that way. Like, they were pretty good, hey? They were great. Oh, yeah. So this was Amisk. Uh, the group of students was from, oh, my goodness, as if I'm forgetting this at this point. He just so, got off the air. Yeah, they were so they were so wonderful. And I just couldn't believe these kids even knew a call saint a villa school in Winnipeg. I can't even believe they know the Backstreet Boys. I think uh, we have an opportunity here to create the next mini pops. Yes. So let's sign them now. Yes. Uh, Clay Young, musical director. You can be <laughs> the artistic director, Gabby, and let's make some money off these these youngsters. They're talented. They gave up their recess to build a warming hut. How pure is that? They're probably practicing Backstreet Boys out there too. Good for them. Thank you for sharing that. That's fantastic. I saw the hut. It's quite good. It looks like a kid's fort. It's huge. It looks bigger than my apartment. It's really neat. And I guarantee you a significant chunk of our audience, when they heard that, were singing along in their cars or wherever they're listening. On either you on the radio or on the radio player. 204-780-6868. <laughs> Even if you're not in the target demographic, you can admit it. So who's your uh, childhood villain? Do you have one? I do. Okay, so I was really passionate about Simba. I actually had a childhood crush on Simba. Simba and Moses, kind of weird choices. But anyway, so I thought Simba, <laughs> I think it was the Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I just had such, I had the hots for Simba. And then the whole Scar thing in Lion King. Scar killed Mufasa, and then he lived forever in my childhood as the ultimate villain. Like Don't I had spoil the movie for me. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I've actually had like dreams about Scar as the villain. I still think about Scar all the time. What a he's a bad uncle. Terrible, bad, scary guy. Right? What about you guys? For me, it was Ivan Drago. That's what sort of triggered the conversation because on the weekend I watched for probably the fiftieth hundredth time. I don't know Rocky for. I couldn't decide what to watch. I'm like, you know what? I just feel like watching Rocky IV because it's like 90 minutes long and it's fun. It's my favorite movie in the series. And Ivan Drago, as because he killed Apollo Creed in the ring, in the ring, he was the he he was the big Soviet war machine. He yeah. was the Siberian Express, and Rocky had to take him down. He was a terrific antagonist, such a menacing, imposing man, played by Dolph Lundgren. So yeah, he was. The, the childhood villain of mine. You described him just so perfectly. What lovely language you just used. I like that. That was very... De- what about you? Did you have one too? Are you going to describe him like Brett? <laughs> well, I know exactly two NHL hockey players' birthday, like off the top of my head. Okay, hit us. April 4th is Dale Howarchuk's birthday, the late, great Dale Howarchuk. And today's birthday is Wayne Gretzky. And Wayne Gretzky was the villain what? of my youth alongside what? Darth Vader. So Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he ruined he ruined my teenage years essentially. What? Why? Look, well, it's the Oilers 
Oh. It were just all, yeah, the Jets were good and the Oilers were better. Anyway, we'll, I'll educate you later. Brad Marchand is the villain of my adulthood because people are continually like asking me if I'm related to that face licker, and I am not. Good. I'm glad <laughs> we can remain friends and colleagues. <laughs> and uh, one, one, one more quick one from here, Gabby. We're also, one, we talked about uh, shared video game experiences like the Nintendo Wii. Uh, yeah. This came out of a, a video on social media about Wii Tennis. But, uh, you know, that got us thinking about times where we played video games with others, whether just one person or if it was a group setting like a Wii Tennis game. You got a video game experience I, along those lines? I love to play old school video games like Mario with the machine that's like the gray with the purple. You know what I'm saying? And then you play like Mario Kart, just Mario. I guess not Mario Kart. That's Mario. a Super Nintendo. Yeah, Super Nintendo. Yeah. So Super Mario or you can play Donkey Kong on there too, I yeah. think. And I just want to say this. Some of us had hippie parents who wouldn't let us play video games growing up. So we are terrible at adults, but we still. Don't look at me and I'm still terrible. We still want to do it. We want to do it with our whole body and throwing the controller around and doing lunges around the room so have patience with us because we want to play i want to play video games with you just let me play you have we yeah you're on the we i want to be on the we i'm not i don't own one but would i like to be on the we yes it's a great workout too yeah right it is a terrific than workout. Going to the tennis golf baseball we they- should form a we team like a we curling volleyball. Lots of different ways. Can you do curling in the Wii? Yeah, if you get the right game. It's uh, the um, Olympic Games. Oh, uh, wow. Sonic and Mario. Mario, is it Mario or Mario? Mario. Mario. And Sonic do the Winter Olympic Games. It is Mackling and McGarry. We're asking you this morning, who was the villain of your childhood? Whether it's a fictional character or maybe an athlete. Dwayne, one of our runners up here, we've got tickets for the Fab Four to give away for June 7th, Club Region Event Center. Dwayne says the ultimate villain, the epitome of a bully, can be the one and only Bluto, who always got his just desserts at the hands of Popeye. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Do that again? (laughs) Oh, that was good. I didn't know you... I just learned something new about Greg. That's really, I'm really excited. I can make noise with my mouth. (laughs) If we ever bring back Talk Idol, I'll make sure that, uh, because Greg is the reigning Talk Idol, I'll I'll make that one of the requirements. Can you make noise with your mouth? I surely can. Um, Deb. Says childhood villains, hands down, from the 1973 movie Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. As it was, we lived in an old country home that was questionable during the night. Then our babysitter thought it would be great for us kids to watch this movie. Oh, yeah, brilliant idea. I was six, my sister eight. The movie consisted of this evil little human creature, the evil little human creature things that scurried around during the night. Long fingers that reached around the bathroom door when someone showered. They scurried everywhere, making some kind of like gremlin-y noise. And good God, almost 50 years later, neither one of us can have a limb hanging off the bed or shower with the bathroom door open, among other things. And of course, we had to get a new babysitter after that. Answered the question I had. Did that babysitter ever babysit Madhouse again? (laughs) But uh, we've got time to sneak in two more. One more runner-up and one winner, Greg. Okay, let's go with... 
Maureen, the villain that always caused fear and anxiety, was the Wicked Witch of the West. The ominous music always alerted you to something dangerous was about to happen. She was so mean, and Dorothy, so sweet and caring and innocent. In hindsight, it was a life lesson. Just because you are a good person, there are mean and bad people in the world, but that should not change how you treat people. Maureen, thank you for that. But And we also had a few people say the flying monkeys from The Wizard of Oz. But her uh-huh. winner is Dave, who says the villains of my youth were the hunters who killed Bambi's mother. They showed us that movie in grade two, and the girl sitting beside me could not stop crying. Absolutely inconsolable. And I've often wondered, says Dave, if that was the beginning of her ecological concerns in life, because she grew up. To be the current leader of Manitoba's Green Party. Well, how about that? <laughs> so, Dave, that's cool. And that's that's neat. That is cool. To make, especially to make that connection. I wonder. Maybe. So, Dave, you are a winner for the Fab Four tickets. 